Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are full. Few, sorry, few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborers deserves to be paid. Do not move from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and it's and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you, whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name, that your names are written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, everybody. My name is Gloria Feliciano, and I've been attending Urban Village Church. Um, It'll be six years this August. So if you come here long enough, they'll let you talk up here. I just want to say it. Um, So uh, today's message isn't technically part of our sermon series that we just got off of called House Party. Um, We just spent four weeks talking about evangelism, and I think this scripture passage could have fit really well into that series. I want to um, be honest and name something that I've felt before and I'm sure that many of you are feeling or have felt in the past. Evangelism is not for me. The reason you might be put off by evangelism is evangelism that you've experienced in the past 
or that you have participated in previously um, or because of what you've heard about it <coughs> or things you've seen, protesters, things like that. Um, and I'm going to generalize here, but I think when a lot of people hear the word evangelism, they have this certain kind of activity pictured in their mind. And I have a video that I want to show that depicts what I'm talking about. So here we go. So um, I, th I think my favorite part of that video is when they say um, eternal life is super fun. Um, <laughs> But so many people are familiar with this kind of evangelism that it became a hit Broadway musical. Uh, but in all seriousness, evangelism can turn a lot of people off because it's this attempt to share a message in a way that you can't accept it. Or in my opinion, it can be just plain wrong. So I'm talking about that kind of evangelism that says, uh, if you've ever told a lie, you're a liar and you're going to hell. Um, and I'm not talking I know, um, I know there are people who have come to Urban Village Church who've experienced evangelism like this or participated in it in the past, and it can be damaging to all people involved. And I'm not going to talk about that kind of evangelism today, but I wanted to acknowledge it. In our scripture passage, Jesus sends out 70 or 72 disciples to every town and place that he intends to go. And I want to give you all a quick Bible lesson. I say 70 or 72 because there are an even number of biblical sources that say 70, and there are another one that says 72 disciples were sent out. And the significance of this number goes all the way back to Genesis. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and then copied into Greek. In the Hebrew version, 70 nations are listed in Genesis, and in the Greek version, 72 are listed. So this hearkening back to the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the mission of the church, capital C Church, to all the nations. I'd like to briefly point out that Jesus wasn't always successful with his evangelism. In the scripture passage right before today's, he invites three different people to come follow him, and they all have excuses as to why they can't. They weren't ready to hear his message. Jesus didn't begrudge them that. He just moved on with his ministry. So these 70 or 72 folks that did decide to follow Jesus now have quite a responsibility. They are to prepare the way for Jesus, lay out the groundwork, if you will. Jesus doesn't take it easy on them either. They're told to bring nothing with them, no money, no food, no extra clothes or shoes. They have to rely on whomever they meet out in the world to take care of them. Talk about scary, y'all. That is a leap of faith. I want to share um, about an evangelism experience that I had here at UBC, and I will say it was a bad evangelism experience for me. I did something that was way out of my comfort zone. Um, it was Good Friday a few years ago. It was before... Urban Village, Andersonville existed. We were in the midst of church planting, of preparing this site, and we decided that we were going to give out candles to folks on the street near Foster and Clark. So my mom and I went out on this cold, dreary day because the spring in Chicago is cold and dreary, um, and we tried to hand out candles. And I say tried because we were not very successful at it. 
people thought it was sort of this quid pro quo thing. Like I'd hand them a candle and be like, I don't have any money. And I was like, oh no, it's free. You can take it. And they were like, no, thank you. Um, so I mean, I can't tell you like how many weird looks I got or like how people like very purposefully ignored me as they walked past or as they stood next to me at the light waiting to cross the street. It was awful, but I survived it and I'm here to tell you about it. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> so, you know, maybe. There are many forms of evangelism that exist. There's that not healthy kind that I mentioned earlier, but then there's the kinds that are like handing out candles or handing out flyers in the pride parade like we did last week or making buttons at the festivals here in Chicago that we do all summer long. You can invite a friend to church or to your small group, or you can just talk to somebody new that's here today. Some of the time when I've talked to folks who, who attend all different sites here at UBC about talking to new people at church, I get a lot of pushback. Um, I hear excuses like, I don't know who's new, and that's kind of weird. I, I don't know what to say. Or, I just want to go to church, hear the message, and leave. I hear that. I get that. I've had those excuses before. There have been plenty of times in my life where I just want to come into church, sing some songs, hear the message, get my communion, and walk out that door. In this scripture passage, Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful. And this harkens back to his story of the sower and the seed. A sower went to sow some seed, and it landed on bad soil, weedy soil, rocky soil, a path, good soil. The seed is the good news that God's love is for all, and the good soil are people who are ready for that news, heard it, and hold it in their hearts. Jesus is saying in this scripture passage today that there is so much good soil out in the world that the harvest is bursting, and he alone cannot go and gather it all in. This affirms the world's need for the church's mission. That can be the capital C church mission, and it can be UBC's mission to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. Have you ever thought about the consequences of not sharing this mission? Do you know what that would look like? Earlier this week, I did some crowdsourcing on Facebook and asked for people to share their evangelism stories. My friend Rachel shared this. At the beginning of college, I had two main friend groups, my a-religious dorm friends and my Methodists. I intentionally avoided talking about religion with my dorm friends or inviting them to Methodist events because I hated the evangelism I had been exposed to and subjected to by my conservative religious community in high school. Fast forward to senior year, and two of my best friends from the dorm group became heavily involved with the Methodist community after having been welcomed in by other more tangential connections. They loved and were grateful for the spiritual community and wished they had been involved earlier. And I felt like a bad friend for letting my discomfort with evangelism become a failure to be welcoming. I think it's important for me to point out that Rachel, I met Rachel at the United Methodist General Conference in Portland in May of this year and that she's currently serving as a missionary for the United Methodist Church in Pennsylvania. 
And she's not like a missionary, like Book of Mormon kind of missionaries, just so you know. Um, imagine what would have happened had she told her dorm room friends what she was doing with her Methodist friends. Or take it a step further and imagine what it would have looked like if she had invited those friends to come to an event that her Methodist friends were hosting. The friends that ended up getting involved later on in college may have joined their freshman year. And they could have, had, they could have known the support and love of that spiritual community four years earlier. I'm sure Rachel's job as a missionary requires lots of evangelism. Some of that evangelism is living her life as Jesus would have wanted, and at other times she probably talks to folks about what it means to be a Christian, a Methodist, and so on. However, I don't want you to sit out there thinking, we have people whose actual job it is to share the mission of the church. I'm sure all y'all are thinking, well, isn't that what you're going to do, Gloria? And isn't that what Brittany does? There is too much work to be done in this mission for it to just be the job of a select few. This isn't just Brittany's job or the other site pastor's jobs. It's not just the job of ordained persons or people who are on their way to ordination or missionaries like Rachel. This is a job for every single person that has been baptized or is in this church. And if you haven't been baptized and you want to be, talk to Brittany about it. Whether you like it or not, you are called. Jesus didn't just send out his closest and dearest friends and followers, the 12 apostles. He sent out all of the followers that he had, 70 or 72 of them. Probably more, if we're honest, because the Bible likes to choose significant numbers. There is, this is such a singular mission for these disciples that Jesus tells them to not greet anyone on the road. He wasn't admonishing them to ignore people on their travels. They could nod in acknowledgement to others. But back then, greeting was this big, elaborate process that took time, time that they didn't have. We have to have such focus when it comes to sharing and preparing the way for Jesus. The specifics of this mission are to declare what God is doing and bring God's peace to whomever we meet. This was their mission back then, and it's our mission today. This can make us uneasy. We don't feel prepared to go out into the world. We're afraid of failing. Jesus never made the promise that this was going to be an easy road to walk. In this passage, Jesus even says, See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. One of my favorite ways to talk about what it means to be a Christian comes from this badass female liberation theologian named Dorothy Zola. Uh, as a Christian, we all carry the cross. And I don't mean the shiny necklaces that we wear around our necks or even the ones carved into wood that we can see here in this space. In liberation theology, the cross isn't a symbol, but a real, actual event that took place. You need to remember that crucifixion was an instrument of political power to subdue, rule over, and oppress people. The thing is, to follow God's will 
which is the mission for the church to bring peace, we cannot avoid the cross. The systems of oppression that have been built to pit one person against another come in direct opposition to God's will. If we understand our role as one that has to oppose that which is in defiance of God's will, then we become the objects of aggression, of the hostility of those trying to maintain the old order. That is the cross. So if we are committing our lives to follow God's will, we put our lives at God's disposal so that God becomes visible through us. This means that we live our lives as a form of evangelism. This means that we cannot keep ourselves from sharing this with everyone we come into contact with. This is hard work, and we cannot do it alone. Jesus didn't send his 70 or 72 disciples out individually. They may have potentially been able to reach more people, but they needed to be partnered together. Part of the reason the disciples were sent out two by two was according to Mosaic law for a testimony to be credible, it needed to have two witnesses. I think the other reason that Jesus sent them out together was because he knew that they would need to support each other. Just as we need to support each other today. There's a song that says, no man is an island. We cannot do the work of the church alone. I'm sure there are those of us who have tried to do it all on our own, to think that we are solely responsible for our small group, for our committee, for our ministry team, for an event that's happening. Even though we have built-in systems of support, we will want to carry that cross of mission alone. Guess what? You're not alone. Not only do you have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit on your side, but you have this whole room full of people and beyond for you. If you don't believe me, I challenge you to tell someone you trust in this room how you're feeling, and then just see what happens. All this groundwork that Jesus had his disciples do and challenges us to do today has a very real purpose. Every Sunday before communion, we pray the Lord's Prayer. We say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are not just empty words that we pray. This is a reminder of our mission. This, we are not just praying to God alone to make it on earth as it is in heaven. We have to build it here and now. We are preparing the way for what is to come. The second half of this scripture passage mentions Satan falling from heaven and the disciples having the power to cast out demons. This signals the coming of God's sovereign reign on earth. It was a sign of what is to come. The Romans in Jesus' time knew how powerful this message was. They were afraid of armed rebels, but were even more scared of people like Jesus and his disciples who preached and lived the kingdom of God in this world of exploitation and subjugation. The kingdom of God means that people live their lives in a way that aligns with God's intent for creation. Zola, that liberation theologian, says, 
the Romans understood that the physical embodiment of God's justice in the world is subversive and threatens the powerful. This subversive Jesus had to be eliminated. This commissioning of the disciples underlines for us just how important we are to God's mission. The disciples were able to truly hear the message of peace on earth and see the fruits of their labor, a message that kings and prophets desired to see and hear but could not. This is the cross we carry. It is not an individual spiritual symbol. We do not and cannot contain it. It is a very real representation of the kingdom of God and its righteousness. We are drawn among the cloud of witnesses, and this status carries the very real responsibility of how we will carry out the work, the mission of God. Our status has been given. We have all been chosen and called. How will you respond?